Book One, Chapter Eight of the History of Pompey the Little. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Richard Kilmer. The History of Pompey the Little, or The Life and Adventures of a Lapdog, by Francis Coventry. Book One, Chapter Eight. Various and Sundry Matters. Lady Tempest had been walking one morning in St. James Park, with her little favorite, as usual, attending her, for she never went abroad without taking him in her arms. Here she sat him down on his legs, to play with some other dogs of quality, that were taking the air that morning in the mall, giving him strict orders, however, not to presume to stray out of her sight. Yet, in spite of this injunction, something or other tempted his curiosity beyond the limits of the mall, and there, while he was rolling and indulging himself on the green grass, a pleasure by novelty rendered more agreeable to him, it was his misfortune to spring a bird, which he pursued with such eagerness and alacrity that he was quite out of sight before he thought proper to give over to chase. His mistress, in the meanwhile, was engaged in so warm and interesting a dispute on the price of silk that she never missed her favorite. Nay, what is still more extraordinary, she got into her coach and drove home without once bestowing a thought upon him. But the moment she arrived in her dining-room and cast her eyes on the rest of her four-footed friends, her guilt immediately flew in her face, and she cried out with a scream, as I am alive, I have left little Pompey behind me. Then, summoning up two of her servants, she commanded them to go directly and search every corner of the park with the greatest diligence, protesting she should never have any peace of mind till her favorite was restored to her arms. Many times she rang her bell to know if her servants were returned before it was possible for them to have got thither but at length the fatal message arrived, that Pompey was nowhere to be found. And, indeed, it would have been next to a miracle if he had, for these faithful ambassadors had never once stirred from the kitchen fire, where, together with the rest of the servants, they had been laughing at the folly of their mistress. And the reason why they denied their return sooner was because they imagined a sufficient time had not then elapsed to give a probability to that lie which they were determined to tell. Yet this did not satisfy their lady. She sent them a second time to repeat their search, and a second time they returned with the same answer. At this again the reader is desired not to wonder, for though her ladyship saw them out of the house herself, and ordered them to bring back her favorite under pain of dismission, the farthest of their travels was only to an alehouse at the corner of the street, where they had been entertaining a large circle of their party-colored brethren, with much ribaldry at the expense of their mistress. Tenderness to this lady's character makes me pass over much of the sorrow she vented on this occasion, but I cannot help relating that she immediately dispatched cards to all her acquaintance to put off a drum which was to have been held at her house that evening giving as a reason that she had lost her darling lapdog and could not see company. 
She continued to advertise him in all the newspapers, for a month together, with increase of the reward as the case grew more desperate. Yet nearly all the inquiries she made, nor all the rewards she offered, ever restored little Pompey to her arms. We must leave her, therefore, to receive the consolations of her friends on this afflicting loss, and return to examine after our hero. He had been pursuing a bird, as was before described, and, when his diversion was over, galloped back to the mall, not in the least doubting to find his lady there at his return. But, alas, how great was his disappointment! He ran up and down, smelling to every petticoat he met, and staring up in every female face. Yet neither his eyes nor his nose gave him the information he desired. Seven times he coursed from Buckingham House to the horse guard, and back again, but all in vain. At length, tired, disconsolate, and full of despair, he sat himself down under a tree, and there, turning his head aside in a thoughtful attitude, abandoned himself to much mournful meditation. In this evil plight, while he was ruminating on his fate, and, like many other people in the park, unable to divine where he should get a dinner, he was spied by a little girl about seven years old, who was walking by her mother's side in the mall. She no sooner perceived him than she cried out, La mamma, there's a pretty dog, and then applied herself with much tenderness to solicit him to her. The wretched are always glad to find a friend, and our little unfortunate no sooner saw one courting him to her than, immediately breaking off his meditations, he ran hastily up, and, saluting her eagerly with his forepaws, gave so many dumb expressions of joy that speech itself could hardly have been more eloquent. The young lady, on her side, charmed with his ready compliance, snatched him up in her arms and kissed him with great delight. Then, turning again to her mother and asking her if she did not think him a lovely creature, I wonder, says she, whose dog it is, Mamma. I have a good mind to take him home with me. Shall I, Mamma? Shall I take him home with me, Mamma? To this also her mother consented, and when they had taken two or three more turns, they retired to their coach, and Pompey was conducted to his new lodgings. As soon as they alighted at home, little Miss ran hastily upstairs to show her brother and sisters the prize she had found, and he was handed about from one to the other with great delight and admiration of his beauty. Then he was introduced to all their favorites, which were a dormouse, two kittens, a squirrel, a parrot, and a magpie. To these he was presented with many childish ceremonies and a thousand little follies which make up the happiness of this happiest age. The parrot was to make a speech to him, the squirrel to treat him with some nuts, the kittens to dance for his diversion, the magpie to tell his fortune, and all were enjoined to contribute something to the entertainment of the little stranger in his new apartments. And tis inconceivable how busy they were in the execution of these trifles, with all their spirits in a hurry and their whole souls laid out upon them. One would have imagined, after the extraordinary tenderness with which our hero had been treated by Lady Tempest, he must have felt great regret and concern at the loss of her. 
but, I am sorry to say, he had no sooner dined and felt himself snug in a new apartment that he entirely forgot his former mistress. Here, I know not how to excuse his behavior. Had he been a man, one should not have wondered to find him guilty of ingratitude, a vice deeply rooted in the nature of that wicked animal. But that a dog, a creature famous for fidelity, should so soon forget his former friend and benefactress, is, I confess, quite unaccountable, and I would willingly draw a veil over this part of his conduct if the veracity of a historian did not oblige me to relate it. End of Book One, Chapter Eight Recording by Richard Kilmer, Rio Medina, Texas